In recent comments to the House Education and Labor Committee, Secretary of Labor Marty Walsh said that the U.S. Department of Labor, DOL, is currently reviewing the salary threshold for eligible workers to qualify for overtime. Reading this news made me think about overtime in general, both for my organization and for yours. It led me to a question that I think is really important. When was the last time you took a look at how your organization manages overtime? In this episode of HR Party of One, I'll cover what you need to know about overtime. By the end, you'll have a better understanding of the process and will be much more prepared for possible changes to the threshold. Today we'll discuss what is the overtime threshold? How the overtime threshold impacts exempt versus non-exempt employees? Overtime FAQs every HR pro needs to know and possible changes to the overtime threshold that employers should anticipate. Let's get started. The overtime threshold is a salary level that helps employers determine which employees are eligible to receive overtime pay when they work more than 40 hours in a single week. This rate is calculated as one and a half times their hourly pay beyond a standard 40 hours work week. In general, employees who make less than the annual or weekly threshold are considered non-exempt, which means they automatically qualify to receive overtime pay. At the time of the recording of this video, the current overtime threshold rate is $35,568 a year, or $685 a week, which was established in 2020. Let's quickly walk through an example before we go any further. To calculate overtime pay for a non-exempt worker, you take that person's hourly rate and multiply it by 1.5, which is the overtime pay rate then multiply that by the number of overtime hours worked. It should look something like this. Hourly pay rate times 1.5 times overtime hours worked equals overtime pay. $25 an hour times 1.5 overtime rate times four overtime hours worked equals $150 overtime pay. Here's the thing. Not every employee qualifies for overtime pay. The Fair Labor Standards Act also known as the FLSA, protects non-exempt employees and requires employers by law to pay non-exempt employees overtime for every hour worked over 40 hours. These laws assure fair workplace standards and require employers to post overtime and minimum wage standards in high traffic visible areas in the workplace. Meanwhile, exempt employees are left out of the FLSA. This means that they aren't eligible for overtime pay. To qualify, an employee must receive a salary, not hourly, of at least 684 a week or $35,568 annually. Also, the employee must not fall under any of the other exemptions set forth by the United States Department of Labor, which we'll cover in just a second. Now, because the FLSA requires employers to classify employees as exempt or non-exempt, it's important to ask a few questions when making these decisions. They include, how much do my employees make? As I said earlier, as of January 1, 2020, employees earning less than $35,568 per year or less than $684 per week should be classified as hourly pay, overtime non-exempt. Which tasks are my employees responsible for? An employee's day-to-day -day duties, not job title, should determine whether an employee is classified as exempt or non-exempt. There is a common misconception that only working class employees performing manual tasks should be classified as hourly. 
This is not the case. Some white collar positions should actually be classified as hourly. In fact, many business owners might be surprised to learn that most roles, including sales or customer service, should be classified as non-exempt hourly positions, regardless of how high the compensation level is for that role. In other words, even an inside sales role with a target compensation of 85,000 is generally supposed to be classified as non-exempt hourly position eligible for overtime. I've included a link in the episode description to the Department of Labor's list of commonly used exemptions, but in general, each of the following six categories outlines duties performed by salary employees. Executives, administrators, professional employees, learned and creative, outside sales professionals, computer employees, and highly compensated employees. What legal ramifications exist? The risk of a lawsuit is highest when employers classify non-exempt employees as exempt. The risk is highest in this scenario because the employer is opening itself up to an argument that the misclassified employees were not paid overtime wages that they should have been paid under the FLSA. Employers who misclassify employee exemption status on more than one occasion may be subject to civil penalties as well. Cases like these are fairly common. About five years ago, an entry-level manager filed a wage and hour lawsuit against Amazon. The California case, which finally went into court in July 2021, claimed that the plaintiff was a manager in name only. He alleged that his work included mostly manual labor in the Amazon warehouse, which was the exact kind of work his hourly colleagues completed. And while he technically supervised a staff of 80 to 100 workers, he wasn't permitted to discipline or coach any associates. Likewise, he regularly worked more than eight hours per day and 40 hours per week, yet didn't receive overtime pay. Since this case is still ongoing, it's tough to say what the outcome will be. But clearly, there was a disconnect between the role for which that man was hired for and the actual work he was expected to complete. It's pretty clear that the ins and outs of overtime policies can get tricky. From federal government regulations and exempt versus non-exempt status to everything in between, let's quickly cover some of the most important OT FAQs employers need to know. Is not paying overtime illegal? Yes, employers are required by law to pay non-exempt employees overtime for every hour worked in excess of 40 hours. What is considered a work week when determining if an employee is owed overtime wages? According to the DOL, an employee's work week is a fixed and regularly reoccurring period of 168 hours, meaning it must be seven consecutive 24-hour periods. This period doesn't need to coincide with the calendar week and can begin on any day at any time. Does working on the weekend count for overtime? Not automatically. Employers are required to pay overtime wages to employees on the weekends only if they exceed their weekly threshold of 40 hours on the weekend. Does working on holidays count for overtime pay? Not automatically. Employers are required to pay overtime wages to employees on holidays only if they exceed their weekly threshold of 40 hours on the weekend. What if an employee is misclassified? How do you fix it? There are a few steps you can follow to identify and fix this misclassification error. First, look at the hours employees work each week to identify how often team members are working overtime. Next, make adjustments to employees' salaries, either by increasing rates to meet the minimum threshold, paying overtime to people who are eligible to receive the rate, 
or make a reduction to base salary to afford the overtime changes. Then outline the enforcement rules and communicate these adjustments to employees. Can employees be forced to work overtime? Yes, employers can require employees to work overtime in addition to their normal work schedule, and they have the right to fire for refusal according to the FLSA. There aren't any limits on how many hours a day or week employers can require employees to work. While employers can require employees to work overtime, there are some exceptions. These include union contracts, other employment contracts, computer professionals, workers responsible for children, and more. Do lunch breaks count towards overtime pay? No. If an employee is relieved of all duties during a bona fide meal period, typically lasting at least 30 minutes, they are not considered working during this time. As a result, these hours do not factor into overtime pay calculations. Do short breaks count towards overtime pay? Yes. When employees take a break, these rest periods, typically lasting between 5 and 20 minutes, are considered work time. As a result, these hours do factor into overtime pay calculations. How do state laws factor into overtime pay? Some states may have more expansive overtime laws than others. As a result, employers should consult with their state Department of Labor to determine which regulations need to be followed. If you'd like to learn more about your state's specific overtime laws, you should refer to the DOL in your state. I found that these FAQs are especially helpful when fielding questions from employees about their overtime rights. But as I mentioned at the top of the episode, there's a chance that the overtime threshold could be changed in the near future. Let's talk about that right now. In a piece published by Bloomberg Law, reporter Ben Penn wrote that the U.S. Labor Secretary indicated the Department of Labor is reviewing the current salary threshold for overtime and may update the level based on its findings. The official said that the current level is definitely too low. A change to the overtime threshold would mark the second time in as many years that the level has been adjusted. Part of the reason for this is because in the past two decades, the overtime threshold has become an especially contentious issue between Republicans and Democrats. In 2016, the Obama administration sought to raise the threshold to approximately 47,500 and included a provision to automatically increase the salary limit every three years. But this rule was blocked by a federal judge before it took effect. Then, in 2019, the Trump administration raised the level to its current rate of $35,568 per year, or $684 a week, which took effect in 2020. This rule did not include a provision to automatically raise the threshold. The Department of Labor's recent comments tell us that the Biden administration may want to return to the approach nearly taken in 2016. Bloomberg Law reports that during the same committee hearing, Labor Secretary Marty Walsh said that the Department of Labor thinks the rule should be reviewed and possibly updated regularly. Since the Department of Labor is simply reviewing the rule, there is not much that the employers can do until it's officially changed. With that said, if and when the threshold is updated, many employers may need to rework how they're classifying employees. You may decide you need to change exempt positions to non-exempt or vice versa. If the Department of Labor decides to increase the threshold on a regular basis, HR will have to be even more on the ball to ensure that the team is compliant. My advice this time around, keep an eye on these changes by subscribing to the Bernie Portal blog. 
We're constantly updating it with the latest trends, new items, and best practices that empower HR professionals to be more effective leaders within their organizations. Because if there's one thing we believe, it's that your role is as strategic as you make it. That's it for this episode. Remember to subscribe to our channel and be sure to check out our exclusive HR Party of One LinkedIn group.